Welcome to the Mortal Realms, an Age of Sigmar podcast. Grab your hammers so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the Realm Gate this episode are... Hi, I'm Steve Foot, and I'm here with the boys from Raw. Hi, my name is Mitzi, and I'm also here from the team with Raw. I'm harboring Ming. I'm Jimbo, and I write narrative battle plans for the players at Raw. You might say that I like to actually the players a lot of questions. Oh my good lord. And this is Eric and I'm in raw of the events these boys are running. In this episode we are discussing Realms at War events or raw and the road leading up to the, uh, is this the fourth annual or third annual raw event? What allowed these four Neos to take their first leap into hosting one of the most heralded narrative events on the planet and how they continue to innovate and keep us guessing on what they're doing next. How are you Neos doing today? Fantastic. Uh, awesome. Good. Awesome. Pretty good. <laughs> I'm feeling I'm well, feeling a little you guys full, are... if I'm brutally honest. I'm sorry, Eric. But um, Ming, as you have already explained by the fact that he, he didn't introduce himself, is not here. Um, when you see me at Adepticon, you'll realize that I've put on a few pounds since last year. Um, I was a little bit peckish, yeah. and Ming just looked so tasty. Oh, so you <laughs> consumed him. I did. All, all consumed. Is this? I want. I hope we get to talk about team dynamics later <laughs> in the episode, uh, and and maybe you'll be able to dish on what led to such a uh, uprising. Absolutely <laughs> fine, mate. Absolutely fine. Awesome. So, what what's on your guys' table? What are you guys preparing for? Um, if if not focused on raw, uh, what else are you guys thinking about? How about you, Jimbo? Well, it is Adepticon in a week and a half. Terrifyingly. Yeah. So, I am busy working on our Tale of Four Warlords, the Eighth Wonder of Gur. So, I've got my 1,000 points of Stormcast to finish off in non-metallic metal, because I'm a lunatic. So, <laughs> uh, we're almost there. I've got one more sequitur to do, and then they are going to smash their way through the Caradron, through the Daughters, and through the Gits that are going to be standing in front of them. Oh, man. Well, your insanity is at our benefit because those guys look amazing. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. How about you, Mark? Um, I, too, am preparing for the moon rising over Chicago. Uh, and I <laughs> have essentially spent the last four months painting up not 1,000 point of Lunshrine gits because uh, obviously I'm working towards my Eighth Wonder of Gur narrative uh, game that we've got scheduled with yourself and Tyler. Um, but I decided since the gits dropped in January to do a 2,000k army and just bring them rather than an army that I knew anything vaguely about to Adepticon. A 2,000k army, it's very ambitious, sir. Touch, oh, <laughs> do you know what? There's always one... One spoil sport in the party, and it's always you, Jimbo. Checks the numbers for us all the time. <laughs> two million points on the table. Would be That's right. I, I, I have I have painted my two hundred and sixty-seven thousandth grot since January. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Steve, what have you been up to? Uh, well, sadly, I won't be at Adepticon, uh, which is a shame because it looks. Absolutely stunning fun. Um, uh, for me, I've been enjoying my 3D printer, although it's currently testing my patience with a fault, which I can't seem to get to the bottom of. But that's all part of the party, I think, with 3D printers. But um, 
I think for me, New Skaven book has given maybe not new models, but there's new scope, there's new art that's popped up, there's new ideas. Um, so there's they've been creating those sort of things. And um, also I've been working with Rob Moore, who's more hammer on a custom uh, battle time for my Sultan army. So the yeah. models are there. Um, it's been really fun doing that process. Um, so I'm keen to get it on the table and forget all the rules, which is normal. <laughs> That's how we roll, isn't but, it, Steve? Is it, is it, is it. <laughs> what does the story say? We won't worry about the scroll. Yeah. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Well, I've also been working on uh, my road to Adepticon, uh, Eighth Wonder of Gur, Jukari Drawn Army, and I've probably got maybe about 1200 points um that i'm working on um of the you know just kind of trying to do more foot soldiers you know arcanauts while i've got while i've got a paintbrush in my hand might as well do more um but i have my big centerpiece is saved it for last maybe to the detriment but uh um, got all the ghiblies glued on got the i finally kind of all the thing all the things that you want to help bring a airship to life uh, in some conceivably fantastical, believable way, and I think it'll it, it'll be better for it. But I've got a lot of work ahead of me for this next week and a half. Um, and then on top of that, um, just kind of uh, working with uh, uh, the Mortal Realms guys are we're all kind of putting out more episodes over the last few months. We're starting to build a little bit more, kind of of a uh, adding some more people into the mix, uh, joining us. Uh, you know, from Phil from What the Hex. And uh, Brian Orban uh, has been a part of this show for, you know, uh, first elephant in the room. Brian isn't joining us today because he's on hiatus from the Internet, um, which uh, I definitely recommend everybody take at least one once a year, take a break from Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, kind of disconnect and and clear your head, Um, especially if you're frustrated about one of these GW releases and you don't like the way it turned. Uh, instead of instead of shouting at your brother or sister, uh, you know, get off the get offline for a little bit. But uh, Brian, wherever you're at, hope you're doing well. Can't wait to see you next episode. Um, but and uh, because of that, uh, these raw boys. Uh, wait a minute, is that do we want that to be the moniker? Uh, are joining me today, and I'm really thankful for that. So, um, what we're gonna do here, we're gonna next, we're gonna do a little Neo shout out, and we've got. Uh, we went through a lot of narrative events over the, the winter. Again, if you do have a narrative event coming up uh, over the next year in 2019, uh, send us an email to themortalrealms at gmail.com. Tell us about it. We'll get it on our calendar. Mention it on the show, even if it's a campaign that you have going on. So I know Steve always has campaigns with his buds. Um, and uh, sometime I'd love to get you on, Steve, just talking about uh, doing those kind of campaigns with friends. Um, but... Upcoming, uh, obviously, we just talked about uh, March, and last episode we had um, uh, Paul Wagner from the Mortal Realms crew, but he's running the Gibbering Dome on March 28th. That's a Thursday, um, and he'll be. It's the second annual Gibbering Dome, Gibbering Dome Two um, narrative AOS narrative event at Adepticon. It is full up, but if you want to show up, go check it out, take a look at it. If you're going to be there, um, say hi, and then hopefully, you know, maybe next year you can uh, get. Um, registered early um, we do have a cancellation um, and this is one uh, that Brian Orban and um, Aaron Bostian were running beyond realms edge 
Um, and it was a two-day event, May uh, 31st uh, through June 2nd, or uh, I guess first June 1st and 2nd. But they had a event change, or the, the venue change canceled on them. So they didn't have, all their options kind of fell through. But um, kind of rising out of the ashes, um, Alex uh, Polomeni, uh, Old Stonebeard, at Old Stonebeard on Twitter, has uh, come out with uh, what he's called Animosity which is a worldwide map campaign. I'm going to say in the in the uh, feel of the coalescence stuff that uh, has has happened in the past, and that's going to be May 31st through June 2nd. Um, so basically, you can be playing games anytime that weekend. Um, and if you register for the campaign as a kind of um, someone who's going to communicate with Alex and record scores and report things, then your games can affect the global map. Um, and what happens. So um, go check that out. Um, old Stonebeard on Twitter. Um, and I think he's got a website there, animositycampaigns.com. Uh, you can go check that out. I think he's he was, uh, maybe you guys remember, I think he's run Animosity in the past as a, as a local event, narrative event, um, but kind of filling a void and taking it online and, and making it global. It's pretty cool. Um, and then uh, July 13th and 14th in Australia, there's a Cinderfall narrative event. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed a, a great peak in activity from our Australian and New Zealand uh, uh, gamer friends, um, but a lot of stuff coming out of there. But the Cinderfall stuff is uh, pretty cool and excited for that. Uh, do you guys know of any other events that uh, are coming up or happening that uh, haven't been on our radar? Uh, I guess from a, a narrative perspective, you've got at Blood and Glory towards the end of the year, you'll have uh, Steve Wren running his um, uh, achievements. achievements, Warhammer Achievements, yeah, absolutely, which I know Steve and Jimbo will both be at um, again this year, uh, so that's happening. We've got Raw, which is the topic of our, our show today, and that is uh, October 4th through the 6th, correct? Yes, that is. So, and that's a yes. little bit different time, a little bit earlier this year. Um, I think you'd had it in November previously, correct? Well, it's, it's always been the last weekend of October, actually. So, what we class ha- oh. as Hall- Halloween right, right. weekend, yeah. That's right, that's right. Because we were uh, in concert last year with All Hallow Siege. That's correct. Uh, that last weekend as well. Um, and then uh, we'll get Warhammer Achievements on the on the radar Um and and that's at Blood and Glory, right? And I think that just they just posted uh, dates recently. So um, that's what I have on the calendar right now. Again, if you have one that you want to share with us and have us tell people about, uh, email us at themortalrealms at gmail dot com. All right, gentlemen, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into the campaign phase. Talk about Raw twenty nineteen. The campaign phase. In the campaign phase, we explore how the plastic hits the table, narrative events and campaigns, the rules, the scenarios that define them, and the organizers and players that bring them to life. So, first uh, part of the show, uh, talking about Raw, I would love to dig into what Raw 19 is, how it compares to the previous years, and what's got you guys excited um, about, uh, especially uh, what the kind of the the juicy bit of the, the of the raw events, kind of that custom, either custom model or custom unit, in this case, the Regiment of Renown. 
Um, so I guess first and foremost, guys, uh, are you excited? Do you have the same energy coming into the fourth, uh, raw event as you did the first one? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rather. Yeah, def- definitely. Definitely. Eric. <laughs> so four years, uh, and, and, you know, I, there are some other great narrative events that are happening, um, but everyone is always, you know, we're always looking at you guys to show us uh, what's coming next. Some of that is you've trained us. Uh, with, uh, you know, Steve's great marketing skills, uh, to kind of be looking for things and to be fooled a little bit and to not sure what's coming up. Um, you've trained some of the players that have come to your events with, uh, showing up, uh, and things look fine. And then on day two, there's giant monsters, realm beasts on the table. Um, so you're always pulling surprises. You're always doing that sort of thing. Now we've seen the pack. The pack came out last week, correct? Uh, or the week before. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming there's no surprises on the day of. Everything that's in the pack is everything we're going to experience, right? You can absolutely guarantee that's correct, Eric. <laughs> Spoken like a true um, politician. <laughs> well, let me ask you guys this: when it, when it, um, maybe I'll, I'll go to Steve on this one. When it, you know, when you're, we're starting off in AOS and doing narrative events, and you're like, okay, what we can, what are we going to do to start off? to define raw as an event and then how are we going to top ourselves next year's and how do we going to top ourselves again um, knowing that that's a bubble just waiting to pop how do you guys <laughs> how do you guys what direction have you guys chosen to go instead of just maybe going bigger going different what's been your guys's kind of motto or kind of how do you talk yourself out of off the cliff um yeah, that is always the challenge. That was always a challenge. I, I think for me, it kind of all starts with how we all kind of came together. And the we all originally had a shared Skype conversation where we kind of all went, well, if we were to run our event personally, what type, what would it be? What would it include? What would we, what would be our kind of minimum standards? What would we, and I think in, in so many ways, it kind of defined itself there and then. I mean, we went all the way out. We were just, you know, did, we were having um, DMs on every table. It was going to be more role play. And we, we ended just ended up with this kind of Venn diagram with all the things that everyone wanted to do in the middle bit was raw. But I think ultimately, I think what keeps us going and what keeps us excited is us challenging ourselves to find that next step, that next little bit of narrative. And obviously, you know, it's not just us. The whole, the realm story is moving. The whole players are moving. I think even from when we started to where we are today, you know, there is now a spectrum of narrative games. <laughs> Whereas four years ago, it was what's narrative, you know. So I, th- I think yeah. for me, with all those moving parts, that does give us a lot of flexibility to to do it. But I think the really cool thing is that, um, for me, is that it, a spark can come from anywhere and then someone else will just blow on it and it will burst into flames. And uh, this, I mean, this year's was just definitely, uh, you know, Jimbo found a spark and I think everyone's just ran with it. So Jimbo, why don't you explain kind of where it came from? Well, it, it kind of kicked in actually on the evening after we cleared up at Raw eighteen. <laughs> you know, we uh, we typically have a discussion after each Raw and go, "Are we going to do this next year?" You know, knowing how much work it is, and every time we've done it, it's been like, "Of course we are. Why wouldn't we?" <laughs> um, so this time I was kind of like thinking it's going to happen anyway. So I was like, "Right, what do we want to do next?" 
And the first thing I, I thought about, we've had uh, a single character becoming a greater than themselves. We've had big monsters uh, and we've had Athemy as a, as a new thing coming into the game. So it's like, what else can we do that's a bit different? And Regiments of Renown, and I always thought it's great, you know, Mordheim style, you know, having your little war band that kind of gets better and each, each element of it can get better or worse. And that was the bit I really liked this year. And that's, that's kind of where I started coming from. It's like, right, okay, if we have a little war band and then that can improve or degrade, depending on what happens, that would be really quite good fun. And that was the starting point. I was then trying to find a, a moment where that could sit in. You know, why would, why would this war band exist? What, what's it doing? And we came up with Uprising. So um, political strife seems somewhat apt in this time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense, being able to kind of pull from, yeah, the energy uh, that's happening in, in, the, in the culture. Um, and, you know, interestingly, um, I'm reading, we're in the midst of, of reading Hamilcar, uh, Champion of the Gods, and we're going to be doing a review upcoming. But one of the, there's a moment in there it's the first time I've seen free people stand up to some stormcast in a uh, in a um, combative way. Um, that there's a strife between those two groups. Um, you know, they talk about it in some ways, but that's a there's a an interesting just moment in time in that book that shows again what's possible in the mortal realms. That uh, you know, order is not always going to be on the same side of an issue just because you're all part of the same grand alliance. Um, and so that's and and that gives you guys room too to. To, to let people step into the role that they want yeah. without having to conform to the grand alliance that they prefer. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree. And, that, that... and, and sorry, Mitzi, um, what I'd also say is I think this has actually come from the uh, malign importance because when all the mini stories were created um, uh, by GW, the ones that were released every day, they started really putting out that not everything is black and white, not everything is good or bad. And I think that that's that's really where all this all comes from. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely. And it, and if you were you know asking the question at the beginning, you know, if you were new to AOS, what is raw? Um, there are three ways to play. Uh, GW are quite vocal about the three ways to play, but narrative play seems to be the one that is the sticking point and the one that um, essentially they're unable to define in any way. Um, and so for us. Raw is uh, our opportunity to let the people who come to our event get hold of just the smallest little snippet of a hint and then just have a fun weekend playing with that hint and developing their own narrative. Because we don't really provide a narrative. We we provide a, a structure and a skeleton, but it's up to the players to do with that what they want. And that's that's the essence of Raw for me is that we we just provide this sandbox. Yeah, we come up with some quirky stuff and we drop some some weird stuff in there that isn't out of the box AOS. But ultimately, those players are coming, uh, hopefully prepared for what they're they're coming for, and they just can play AOS the way we want to play AOS. What were some things um, you know I like to talk about, and we've talked about on uh, Neo Chats and stuff. Um, about narrative signals what are you talked about setting expectations what are some ways that you guys um uh, maybe consciously or uh, subconsciously have set expectations with your players and have it uh, i mean it seems from the outside looking in uh that 
everybody who's shown up for Raw knows what they're in for and has had kind of rolled with it. Uh, have you had any issues with people coming and not not getting it th- and having struggles? If, if, if I can come in on this one, I think year one, yes. I think because it was a Cambridge-based event, I think we had people who, and, and you know, in year one, we hadn't really defined Raw and we hadn't been banging the drum and going on every podcast and, you know, talking it up. Um, but also it was a local event and I think, we had, it's fair to say, some players who came who just wanted to come and play AOS, but it was nothing they'd ever seen before. Um, and interestingly, they those players haven't come back. Um, but I think that the, the, the thing that is amazing for me this time is that actually... We, yes, we've got repeat customers. <laughs> we've got the hardcore who are there every year. But this year, more than even last year, we've got even more people who've never been to a Raw before. And I think because we've been going for four years now, and this is number four, I think you know people are slowly getting what we do, why we do it. Um, and I think I think there's a certain expectation, well, not expectation, but there, there's just a certain amount of. Um, uh, they know that there's some freedom there, but there's structure at the same time. Yeah. Now, um, you guys have hit upon some interesting themes, and I think one of the things that I think, especially Raw Two with the the World Beasts or the Realm Beasts, um, was hit a big mark in terms of epicness, like what the stakes are at the table, right, um, and how big in scale this could get. Um, last year with the Aether Me. I think you guys hit, hit a new high on on what one might I mean one of the signatures of raw is there's a room to create a brand new model out of uh, all the bits in your box and um bring something that would never ever be usable in Age of Sigmar otherwise um which uh you know which is fantastic for those who love it and, but and I see that people can it's not a requirement to come and bring a brand new model um which is also kind of this epic thing. You create your own game. You created your own magic system, in, in essence, for AOS. This year, you're shrinking down. Uh, you're getting down, and, and it's interesting because there's a little bit of, of asking for that from a, uh, from GW is, you know, tell us about the farmers. Tell us about the little guys. Tell us about that sort of thing. And it sounds like you guys are going there too, getting down to the little guys. Um, how are – I mean, how um, – are you going to stay little? Are you going to stay in the in the in the politics of the everyman, or uh, is uh, like uh, uh, Ignax going to come down and burn everybody, and it's going to be moot point? <laughs> well, I think if I can just come in, I think for us, um, we've got a master plan. It's not fu- okay. it's not fully mapped out yet, but we have a master plan, um, and that and that's uh, hopefully some of the mystery that players come to the event for is that what 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 can happen, and hopefully they feel in safe hands that anything could happen, but it's not it's not going to be disastrous for any one faction or anything like that. They kind of trust us with the with the balance, um, but I think for us, yeah, we, this was this was our chance to, um, and I, I think one of the things that kind of comes around is that we try different things each year and not all are brilliantly successful. Um, we do do feedback with players each year. And I, and I think that's key for us to make sure our intentions are coming across and either we've misexplained it or it didn't quite work out as we planned. But, you know, we may see it as 
as the organizers in one way, but we need the players to tell us, yeah, no, that didn't quite work. Um, so, you know, w- one year it was, we just said, find a table, find a player. Again, for the core people or the regular tournament players, it was easy. They said, oi, you, we're fighting. Whereas new people were kind of like, oh dear, end up in goal because there's no one else, you know, but a bit awkward. So last year we made sure we fixed that and we found a way that it was always, you, you were always given a table if you didn't want to pick, pick, pick a fight with somebody. Um, but I think for this year, one of the key things was we wanted to make sure these two commanders for these two sides were going to be able to feel confident that they can lead and they can bring those two sides to life. And for us, that means that it's going to be one of us to, to be revealed is going to be the commander for, for <laughs> one of these sides. So I think for me, that's how hopefully we'll be able to get closer to the people we're controlling in our side and be able to pick out little parts of their stories and pick out little bits. And I think for, for us, the joy of it is we put this sort of sprinkling of story out there and people will pick one bit. Like um, Kevin Mossman caught me at Warhammer World and was saying, what was this? What's this? And I was saying, oh, yeah, no, resources will be important. And, you know, you know, farms, you know, everyone likes farms. He said, I'm making John the farmer and he's going to be night haunt. And suddenly he's gone. He's just ran with it. And it's like, brilliant. That's exactly right. I, I just said farms. And now, you know, whether he's going to paint them all John, Gre- John Deere green and yellow would be great, but we shall see. But <laughs> but that's fine. You can do that. That is absolutely what we love. So. Do you know what? I love the fact that there's a night haunt farmer called John. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and, and you're absolutely right, Mitzi, because that's what, through the Malign Portent story, that's what GW released from the game is it's not death. Realm of Death isn't just tombs and realm, you know, there are people living there and they play chess with their ancestors. And then suddenly it's like, oh, this is a lot more complicated and colorful. And so it's like, so it gives it gives the players and it gives us permission to explore so many more things without absolutely upsetting the game. Absolutely. Now, tell me about this. You now, sometimes you have a hero, sometimes less your alchemy. In this, um, uh, oh, I keep forgetting the term. Uprising. The regiment of renown. Um, yeah, the uprising. You have a main care. You have a main leader, and his group of, uh, you know, maybe once we're farmers, once we're soldiers, once we're something. Um, how are, how are uh, you guys allowing people to kind of bring character to this unit? So the way we've set it out is we've essentially created a framework where there's a certain amount of points that people are allowed to spend on creating their regiment of renown and they purchase individual models for those points uh, we haven't made it very complicated you take a war scroll take for example dryads which is 100 points in ghb match play and you divide that by the number of miniatures that are in the war scroll in that case 10 so each dryad is worth 10 points um, and people can spend up to 100 points to create their regiment of renown and how they do that is entirely up to them and they can take any models from the same grand alliance that their allegiance is from so you could be 
in my example there, silver uh, allegiance for your army, but your regiment of renown can be made up of any models from the Grand Alliance order. Okay, so you could have a couple of dryads. You could have a um, uh, Ho- hopefully a woodsman chopping up them. <laughs> hopefully not. Right, you could you could have uh, you know a, a wanderer. Uh, elf with axes, uh, you could have, uh, you know, archers, you could have whatever. Exactly. There are other restrictions in how you can create your war band, oh, sorry, your regiment of renown, but essentially, yeah, that's it. And um, you mentioned kind of, so in that then, you're looking to tell some story about how that particular group of characters got together, how, what, what brought them um, into the, into one regiment together, whereas most regiments are made up of similarly uniformed and armed uh, warriors or whatever. These guys are a ragtag group. Maybe they were the survivors of a village. Uh, you know, maybe they were a settlement. Maybe they were a special forces, uh, you know, unit that, uh, you know, has been working together for a really long time and knows each other really well. Um, maybe uh, they were the, um, yeah, some something in between. Uh, they a bunch of people got sucked through a warm gate and, uh, or a, a realm gate and ended up uh, having to fend the survive together for for a year in a realm. And um, and right there, Eric, you've stumbled across the essence of raw because your brain is going crazy in overdrive <laughs> and putting together your the reasons why your ragtag bunch of guys are there and not together. So how do they? How does this? Um, you talked about um, Jimbo. You talked about them getting better or getting worse. What are what are some of the things that are going to allow this unit to to grow or become something new? So at the end of each game, players will um, get a certain amount of random upgrades or down potentially downgrades. Um, so there'll be a kind of risk reward system. So um, I, I'm a big fan of D66 tables. That's, that's just my jazz. You know, I like the old, um, Realm of Chaos books. I think they're awesome designing, you know, making your own demon prints and things like that. So yeah, essentially there'll be some tables like that and you'll be able to generate a skill, but also on these tables, depending on how, how many chances you get to upgrade, you can go on to higher level abilities, but then the, uh, the risk is greater as well. Essentially, I might not have described that very well, but. The two, I can see the two boys look at me very, very curious because no, they don't no, actually know no, about this. No, no, no. no. We, this is where the magic happens, Eric. This is where the magic happens. Um, yeah, so essentially it's going to work in that manner. There will also be other ways in which um, your regiment can up, uh, potentially upgrade, but I can't tell you that in a minute. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to assume, and, and maybe you can tell me if this is just something that you guys are thinking about, um, I mean, you guys, like you said, you're going to have a couple of you going to be the generals or the um, um, leaders of these two sides. That leaves the other two of you open to be GMs or to kind of run around and cause havoc. Um, would you see, I mean, are you going to give yourselves the ability to, um, I guess, grant roles on those tables if you see something heroic happen or you know, somebody takes on, uh, is very careful and takes on, David takes on Goliath and you're like, oh, David's going to need something to, to help him out with that. We've always had that. Anyway, any, any of us four can do that at any raw. 
All right, so that's that's a that's par so, for the course. So, so we it? so we are the gods of raw, uh, and and, uh, and whatever we say goes, um, which is yeah, kind of the way we've always done it. Uh, it literally in year one, we all represented one of the four chaos gods, um, and we all dressed appropriately. Ming uh, went yeah. particularly to town, um, but yeah, it, 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 it's kind of always been our thing that you know we reward yeah. uh, what we we see as good play and and as particularly narrative play yeah and have you run into any issues with that as the as the gms or as the gods of raw with you know anybody taking issue with somebody getting rewarded over somebody else no not once no and and i think i think i mean the joy of it is that people come to us and say can i go through this realm gate and attack my mate on the other realm and it's it's like well, it's a round gate, isn't it? Yeah, well, you can go through it then. Well, if someone comes to us and they want to do something particularly difficult, you just sort of say, well, you know, two dice on a 10 plus, it can happen. It's never no, it's, it can, but, or it can and you need to, or, and, and, and all that does is it just adds another thing in the story. It's like, yeah, if you want to do that, you're going to need to have everybody on the, these two places of power or you're going to have to and the, and everyone's happy to go with that because they've come to the event knowing that stories get created stories change yeah. it's, it, 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 there is no battle plan that explains everything you don't know anything and I, and I think for me that's that's where people end up doing a little bit of role play without knowing that they're doing role play because they're saying yeah. well my character's like this and he's kind of tall so he can see over this yes of course he can of course he can you know so i I think that that's the that's our job our job is to inspire people enough that they ask those questions that aren't in the book but but just make sense on the table what are some of the other kind of par for the courses for raw um we've talked a little bit about um you know uh we've you've got four gods to answer to uh on site um, you've got uh, an opportunity to build unique models uh, that will, you know, kind of cast that event in history for you as a as a hobbyist. You know, those those who everybody who created an, an Aether Mist and an Aether Lab is going to have that in their display for a long time and remember that year kind of thing. Um, what are some other things? Um, so, uh, for those that have not been to or seen Raw before, uh, the players coming to Raw get to play on the best produced Age of Sigmar tables ever in the history of the world, period. Done. I've said it. There you go. Um, so so the, the four of us, when we first sat down and we created that little Venn diagram of what we, what we want to do and how we want to do it, uh, we've said it before, um, we were all from the UK back in 8th edition looking at what Steve Herner used to do uh, or still does do with his Holy Havoc and um, all of those events that he puts together, where from the yeah. U- the UK perspective, 8th edition was very st- standard tabletop, hills, few buildings, few walls. But Steve Herner elevated that to a whole different level and he created wonderful worlds to play in. Uh, and for us, we all of us sat down and we were like, we want to be as good as Steve Herner can be with his terrain. 
Um, and he really was an inspiration to us to to put out tables that were epic in proportion and scale. Um, crazy, wacky, not your normal stuff that you would play on if you were setting up a table in your garage to play your mate on a Saturday afternoon. Um, and something that told a story. And I think, again, that's what our tables do. We, we, we're called Realms at War because we our tables are all set in individual realms. So um, the maximum number of realms we've had represented at any one time so far uh, is five realms. Uh, and we, we, we specifically set out to create um, four tables per realm so that they were all unique and different, but all themed to that same realm together. Um, and so, yeah, uh, if you want to play on visually luxurious uh, gaming surfaces, Raw's the place to be. Nice. And do you have any new realms that you're going to be playing in this year? Not telling you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I did all the things that your, uh, that your previ- the email prior to coming on here said I needed to do. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the money to come through, Eric. (laughs) And the pictures. I've got those, sadly. (laughs) Uh, I know, I've sent them, and I don't have... Let's just just say, Eric, that um, Steve is a constant factory of of terrain building um, skill. Right. Um, Literally every morning he's like, look at this, guys. Do you like this? (laughs) It's like (laughs) he's created a new city. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, no, I mean, obviously between Raws, we're all building and collecting terrain and adding to our own personal collections. Um, and and having a mess around with stuff, um, and yes, we've got a lot of good ideas, but no, we're not going to tell you what they are. <sighs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, Steve mentioned uh, at the outset, uh, and if you follow him on Twitter, uh, he's got a new toy with a three D printer, uh, which means you've you've also started dabbling in three D modeling, um, and you've made good friends with Dark Fantasy um, or Dark, yeah, Gary, Dark Fantastic Mills. Gary, um, who's doing a ton of printing and and adding to the adding to the AOS visuals, um, that sort of thing. And so, um, Steve, you got to be just already cranking now on things in order to have uh, prints ready for RAW. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, and Gary's kindly sponsoring us this again this year, so there, there'll be some pieces he can definitely help us with. I, I think I think the other thing is, um, although we've got I mean, Mitz has gone big time into Rumble City from Fenris Games, so that's 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 a table's worth of epicness. I, th- I think the other thing as well is that there are key elements that we are going to sort of tie to the tables this time, so they need pieces. So it doesn't necessarily mean a whole new table, but there need to be some of these key pieces that need to be made. And some of them can be 3D printed, some of them from existing. And I, and I think for me that, that again, it's exciting for us. That's the challenge of how do we, um, I mean, a little bit of a giveaway. We have talked about already about farms. So what does a farm look like? Well, you know, you can have some bristle mats, floor mats cut up to be dry yeah. cornfields. But let's have a think about this. We're talking AOS here. So it's, 
what's a what's a uh, fleshy a court farm looking like that's yeah. probably a corpse farm <laughs> yeah. one of my favorite tv shows is uh hannibal which was he was obviously one of those episodes he was growing mushrooms off living bodies yeah. and it's all it's all pretty dark but you know that's all good territory now for age of sigma we're allowed yeah. there so i know and, yeah. and what else what does you know what does food mean to the different races what does what does that, that mean as a resource and again that's kind of a good challenge for us and the ability to then go away and and again these pieces don't need to be a whole table's worth suddenly you, you we redress one of our tables or half of one of our tables with these pieces like what's that it's your dinner so you better protect it <laughs> no that's great and i think um i mean one of the photos you posted in your pack was a um lily pad uh like a just a rows and rows and rows and, and as far as i could see lily pads and and you know hydroponics uh and that sort of thing and uh you can only imagine you know you think of like uh rice patties and and the different kinds of uh terraforming that it requires to grow certain things and you and uh, you know when you've got large beasts and whatever else to help you um there's both probably some very natural sources of food and some very terraformed i mean i feel like the the size of the cities that the uh Azurites are able to build with hammer hall, et cetera. There's got to be some pretty ambitious uh, agricultural transformation as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, small farm, maybe, uh, we're going into big aggro, aren't we? We're getting into, <laughs> that's your, that's your epic is uh big aggro. Um, no, that's, so that's, that's fantastic. Is there anything else that you guys are excited with raw, um, uh, 2019 that you're going to be able to explore, that you haven't explored yet in in the past Raws? I think one bit of feedback has been, um, is it possible to have the results of games have more impact on the ongoing story? As in, in the past, we've had rolling scores, certain fractions of, you know, uh, brewed the most ethemies spells so you know there there is like a, a, a tally but so so for us it was like how, how do we how do we make sure that works and keep balance <laughs> because yeah. you know anything where you can end up with a roll roll away leader that can never be caught so again i think for me that's where people will expect things to happen <laughs> in the story <laughs> Uh, but I think for me that that's that's again. Uh, how do we then bring that in? How does that then fit in with our uprising theme and this sort of level of politics, perhaps that's going on? Um, so yeah, so I, I think I think this is. It's, it's, the, the trick is you can easily just run away with it, yeah, and it could just get so complicated. The players will have no idea what's going on, and we we have this sort of mantra that it's like it's still a certain number of models on the table there's a plan if you just want yeah. to do that you can have a great game doing it yeah yeah, yeah we, we we quite often find ourselves um we we come up with ideas we all chat about it um we dial it up to 11 12 13 sometimes on the ideas and then we we someone is that that's kind of the good balance that we have someone is in the background essentially saying well hang on a minute guys how's that act? that's a great idea but how is that going to execute on the table and how is that going to actually work with the rules of age of sigma um 
so so yeah we we have this sort of strength between the four of us that we can bounce ideas off each other uh, but also have the ability to say no that is an epic idea but we've got to let it go because um is is that voice currently inside of your own stomach Mitzi? <laughs> um no well, no no interestingly no, no. it's not no it, J- jimbo is he, jimbo is the voice of reason ming ming is the one that just points his finger and says do it um, <laughs> so, um, um but no no it's actually jimbo 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 is our see jimbo hides uh, he flies under the radar. He, we were talking about this last night. He flies under the the neo radar, in terms of he he is a neo. He's part of Realms at War. He's actively involved in narrative gaming, but at heart, he's a power gaming tournament player. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he knows the rules. He knows the rules inside out, back to front. Um, and so you kind of we need that because we need the ability to say, well, we want to do this, and he then says, well, that's fine. But if you do that, how is it actually going to interact with the game of Warhammer Age of Sigma? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's the strength. Well, one of Jimbo's many strengths is that, that he, he he brings that sort of balance. Balance. Jimbo hates the word balance with a passion, but you have to have a little bit of that. Otherwise, it would all be it would all be Mad Hatter, Steve Foot esque, weird, weird, and wonderfulness. I take that as a compliment. <laughs> it was very much meant as a compliment. Yeah. Steve's the Ignax, and uh, uh, Jimbo is the Dwarven Chains that burning everything down. <laughs> I, th- I think the other fa- the other thing to say is that the, the, the nice thing is we, we've got like a, a language between us where somebody might say. Well, what about this and this and this? And it's not because um, it's anything other than trying to get an idea across. And someone will go, yeah, you can't do that because Sylvanus will just win everything. But what if we did this? And everyone goes, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the same, it's the same concept. It's about keeping our intent and our concept really clear in our minds. And I think for me, that's when you end up with the kind of multiplier of of all of us yeah. coming back and going, well, if we just do that, what would we do one of these and turn it upside down? Yes, great, let's do it. Well, I think this is a great transition because um, as I mentioned at the, at the top, one of the things that we want to do here is not just talk about the events and how cool they're going to be and you know what's going to be at them, but there's, there's people um, all around the world that wish that they had a raw near them. And some of them may not know how to... Um, start an event and that's what kind of our neo network is about is encouraging people starting their own events um so i want to transition to to some you know kind of sharing some of the knowledge that you guys have learned over four years now um so that others might try and not just emulate raw but come up with their own things and and as you guys have have said that when you've got the right mix and maybe some balance anything's possible um so how did you guys um kind of come together as a group and what when you talk about balance, uh, Mark, what do you all bring? What What's kind of the recipe that you guys have found to work to to make, you know, it open-ended, hey, we could do this again, we could do something again? Um, I, I think for the four of us, we came together following um, uh, the our last eighth edition, Hurrah, um, which was Ming's Ming Vitational, uh, which he put on as a celebration of all things Warhammer and to say goodbye to 8th edition because it was coming to an end. 
um, and we met there and actually that is where we all actually met face to face for the first time uh, we'd all spoken via social media and and you know what have you but we all met there face to face and we all just kind of clicked really um, and we all realized that we liked the same things and we liked to play the games the same way etc etc um, and that was where we sort of found one another and it wasn't until there was obviously a big gap uh, following 8th edition uh, going and Age of Sigmar coming where there weren't many events um, the events uh, it, it, it sort of it slowly started ticking by and people like Mo Ashraf came up you know helped the everyone knows this you know uh, the AOS scene um, sort of was um, uh, helped along on its way by the independents out there and the people that sort of got involved in the hobby and, and making it what or helping make it what it is today. But um, we came together and we said, well, as Steve said, what, what do we want to do? We want to we want to put together an event. How do we want that event to be? What do we want it to look like? Um, and we all sort of gave our opinions on what we wanted to try and achieve. And then obviously we've got uh, Steve, who is, as you mentioned earlier, the master marketing man, uh, who is brilliant with the visuals. And he's also a, a huge creative uh, person uh, from a hobby perspective, not just from his, his you know, job, his skills as a, in his career. But, you know, he has a fabulous creative mind. Um, he puts together the most amazing things having just seen a speck or a line of text in a in a in a battle tome he he all of a sudden he's he's created some sort of scaven underground city um and it's it's fabulous so he's kind of got this a massive creative um vision uh, and ability to reach into jimbo as we've already touched on is our rules guru he's the one that um essentially has been writing the rules um in in the first couple of rules with with ming um sort of they've been bouncing one another ideas off each other i think it's fair to say and coming up with the the the, the number crunching and the the physical you know if you're going to do this how's it going to work um uh, in the early days, it was very much Ming who drove this. He was the one that put the phone call out there and said, guys, let's do this. Let's get together and let's try and run something. Um, and then um, I, I came into it with the ability to just sort of build crazy terrain and organize the logistics and and, and sort of come up with... Um, yeah, do deal with that side of it. So the event booking and dealing with all of the, the TGA pages and, and the communication and stuff like that. Um, and we've just kind of all got different aspects of hobby um, that we throw at one another and it just comes out in this blender as raw. Um, long and the short of it. <coughs> Anything to add to that? As far as roles or, you know, Jimbo, you do some writing, uh, you know. Um, I think it's super interesting to me that you talk about uh, Jimbo's role as that as a rules person, um, because while I know at Raw the goal isn't to get kind of put anybody into a hyper competitive space, um, being competitive and being narrative aren't opposites. Uh, you know, no. they're just two different ways that you can enjoy this hobby, and sometimes they blend together. Sometimes, and in this case, like you said, that competitive aspect can help you um, know where the boundaries are mechanic wise um so that the the narrative can can breathe and have fun and and be have have safe narrative <laughs> yeah and, 
and, and also, we are actually playing a war game. You know, you are, yeah. you know, having a fight, as it were, with someone else. So, I mean, if you're both just like running along beside each other, it's probably not that much fun. So there is some element of, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, so there is some kind of element of competition against your opponent in an, even a narrative game. And for me, so as Mitzi said, I, I, Ming used to do a lot of the rules. I've now taken that on quite a bit because he's been a bit busy, but he helps me out when I need them to, which is great. Um, but I also do quite a lot of the writing of the law behind it all as well. And for me, the, the two hard parts of a narrative, any narrative game, are the start and the finish. So mm. the start is getting the story right and then making it flow throughout the whole game. And the finish element is actually about the winning. Um, because... It is quite hard to determine a winner in a narrative game, but it's quite good fun to have some some form of a winner, whether you call it a winner or, or whatever. Um, and, and so, actually, bringing that element into it is actually is actually quite tricky. And, and working out how you can do that. So, what we've actually done for Raw Nineteen is uh, we're actually having half of the attendees will be winners, as it were, because they are working as a team. So, yeah. It's, it's, you know, all or nothing effectively for everyone. So they've got to work together. So that's the storyline we've got this time is, is you are working as a team. So you may have to take one for a team. Yeah. So winning your battle plan might not necessarily be helpful. Yeah. No, that's great. I think team is also a great signal for narrative uh, because it can't be all about you. And you can be competitive. Like you said, you can be competitive in a game if that's your style. Or you could be chill, uh, casual in a game. And either could work to the benefit of your team. Yeah. Um, so let's um when it comes to then uh pulling that all together uh Mark you talked about uh logistics and communication and kind of putting that together I mean are you gantt charting this and calendaring this and like uh do you are you taking it to that level of organization do you guys how, what kind of tools do you guys use to communicate and keep keep it all straight uh, so we we use the same tools that probably ninety nine percent of the hobbyists out there use. We we use WhatsApp. Uh, that's our that's our chat room platform. Um, so the four of us have a, a raw chat, um, and we throw all of our ideas into there. And then we also, on the back of that, have a Dropbox account that we all share, and that essentially holds uh, open documents that we can all just go in, dip in and out of. Jimbo will write the law, we'll go in, we'll make suggestions, edits, uh, question this, question that, uh, and then he'll go back in and retune, fine-tune once we've all had a look at it. And we we very much try and, yes, we've all got our individual roles, but we're also sharing the workload amongst ourselves as well and taking so that not any one person has a massive amount of pressure other than Steve because he has to make the pack look beautiful Um, (laughs) because because the only way I know how to do that is to cut pictures out of a magazine and stick them on a piece of paper uh, (laughs) and then your your computer screen gets all covered it does So, so, so yeah, I mean, essentially we try and we share the work, you know, Steve will go away and do his, we, 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 the, the, the first thing we have to do each time is just decide what the event's going to be called and what the theme for the event is, because then yeah. immediately Steve can go away and start pulling out graphics and text fonts and, you know, just trying to get his, his creative mind aligned with where we're going with the pack. 
Um, and yeah, we, we just chat it through. We, we literally ping each other messages back and forth. We put ideas down on paper and then we talk about it. And I'd just like to say that, you know, because we all trust each other, you know, those designs, I will come back with a bunch of options and we talk them through and then I might refine them and then we might refine them again. It's not, you know, and that goes the same with, you know, can we have pizza or can we have, you know, we all share what we would like and and we're all yeah. kind of happy enough that and trust each other enough to just sort of say, yep, that's it. Let's get on with it. And, and I think, you know, I want to be super clear that, you know, um, you know, things like the the round beasts, you know, you guys in Jimbo Mitzi, you you were sleeves up, blue foam, losing knuckles with saws and hot wires and buying <laughs> litres of paint and skip loads of, of sand to get everything done. So it, we are lucky in that we do have the ability. And again, with those, I think, I think, I think when you come at it with, you know, sort of professional project managing, you could make making a round beast a two month project in itself. Yeah. But, definitely. but we just say, hang on a minute. It's rocking up for, for a day and like eight people are going to be playing on it. Not everybody hasn't really got a job afterwards. You know, what standard does it need to be to give us impact playability? You know, can people stand on it? Can people do, you know, what are the key elements? As long as it hits those, then you know, yes, you know, I would have probably liked to put other than Lichin on the, the giant tree lady, but I could buy a bucket load of it off eBay cheap and it covered the model. So I, th- I think it it is, it's, it's, it's deciding your standards, deciding what it is. And we're all happy to say, actually, if everything's at 80%, that's an amazing event. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just, can I just you, say, sorry, yeah. um, the Realm Beasts no, do have a role. They are scattered around my warehouse uh, building at work. <laughs> and trust me, if anyone comes into that building at night who shouldn't be there, they will shit themselves. Uh, die. <laughs> die. <laughs> There's also nanny cams in each one now. So That's you can right. inspire yeah, all, the, all the employees. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> so you talk about, I mean, you talk about trust um, and you talked about, you know, in the, um, one of the things that I think, Again, starting something like uh, raw or starting something new that you want to to reach again an eighty percent standard of anything or just you know your best. How did you guys start off with that trust that hey we could do this? Um, you hadn't done anything like that before. You hadn't relied on each other before. Um, what were some of the things that you felt like you needed to contribute or 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 show accountability for? How do you hold each other accountable? What were some things that, that contributed to building that trust? So, so I think, it, it, if I may it, it, take this one, it, it, essentially it started in year one. It started in year one where we said, right, we're going to hold our first ever event. We all live in different parts of the country, uh, with the exception of me and Jimbo, who are 15, we're 15 miles apart. But Steve's in Oxford, Ming's in London, so we're not close by, we're not all from one club um, and so and therefore see each other every week. So we knew it was going to be a remote thing. Uh, so in, in year one, uh, obviously, we were going to create four realms of terrain. So um, we, had, we had the chat, we had the plan, we knew what we were going to do. We divided up quite specifically what was going to happen. Ming dealt with rules. 
Steve dealt with um, the artwork, the creation of that, the, the pack. Um, Jimbo and I were tasked with creating four realms of uh, terrain. So it, it fell, and, and we were able to do that because there are two of us who are very close to one another, and I have the space in my business to be able to do that in, a, in an industrial scale. So um, it, it sort of became very easy to say, well, that makes sense. You guys do that. I'll deal with this. Ming will deal with that. Um, and it all just happened fortuitously that way and because as Jimbo said way back at the end of Raw 1 about a week later when the dust had settled we went mm, Raw 2 anyone um, it was just natural to say well yeah why not because it's easy we all know what we're doing we all know the roles we've got uh, the only thing Jimbo was said outright was I am not hot glue gunning bark orchid bark onto blue foam ever again <laughs> In the history of my gaming career, because trust me, it, you remember Edward Scissorhands, yeah? Jimbo was like Edward Barkhands. <laughs> I'm about as useful with a hot glue gun as I am with technology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, I think that's where it stemmed from. And, and as Steve and, and you touched on when Steve said it, trust is a big thing, you know? Um, the guys trust me to book the venue. Um, to make sure that the food's there when we're supposed to have food. Jimbo tells us when he wants the food to be delivered. Um, you know, so it, it, it just works. It works because we've done it and this is now our fourth time of doing it. I think I think if anyone was looking to do it, I mean, I've, you need a group of people to organise it, one or two, you know, depends how many people do it. They just need a clear vision and have that clearly defined and you don't have to do it in a Venn diagram. But if they're saying it's about telling stories, I mean, we're called Realms at War because we wanted the realms and the tables to be key to the storytelling. So if somebody comes along and said, you know, we're about, you know, maybe they want to expand Warcry into bigger games and we're just going to be all about chaos tribes fighting each other. And that's our two day event. And it's a thousand points instead of the smaller games, or they're going to use them. And we, so for them, it it would then go well. We we need some chaos tribal places to fight, do we? Or how do we do that? And and I think for me, if if you can get that premise right right at the beginning, it will then lead to a, a bunch of jobs that need doing or creating. And from that, you just say, can we do it? Can't we do it? And I know it sounds a bit flippant, but. Or, or sometimes it's just about being creative about it. You know, do if we have if we can't have loads of tables, then new tables. We can't have this bespoke tribal fighting tables and camps. Okay, well they're going to have to be on the warpath. They're going to have to be bursting out from their chaos realms where they're fighting or their chaos camps, and they're going to be charging through the streets. Okay, well that's now part of the narrative. We've now made a, a story point to this that explains why we can't actually make all this stuff and we've got to make do with we've got it for the store or we've got to and i think i think that just takes a bit of a, a creative mind or a, someone willing to give it a go and i think i think i think we're in a much better place with age sigma now that people are happy to be kind of thrown in the deep end and kind of said you know this is this is the story how are you going to deal with it I mean, if if you if you're going into the how, how you know if someone wants to run an event, if they've never run an event before, that's a daunting 
prospect or potentially a daunting prospect. I think Steve's nailed it there in that he has, if you're going to do that, he or she uh, has to understand that they're going to potentially be selling tickets for this. So what is the, what is the, you have to, the players who are buying tickets, they have to understand what they are getting for their money. So you have to be just very clear about, right, it's going to be a one day, three game event. You're going to, you're going to bring a 1000 point army. Um, they are super clear immediately what they're getting for their money. And then all you've got to do is deliver the thing that you set out to want to do in the first place. So you just have to have the vision to want to do it. And then there's so much resource out there. There are so many people. Um, there's the Neo Network. There's there's loads of people who will help you run events send messages to people who run events, ask questions of the people who run events regularly. You know, how did you overcome this? How do you do that? Um, I think that's the key thing. The, 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 the magic is wanting to do it in the first place. That's that's the magic bit. Well, and that, you know, you guys have mentioned a few times that at the end of your event, after you've, you know, spent the time, you've spent the two days, you're exhausted, you've got a ton to clean up, or maybe you've just finished cleaned up, uh, everyone's gone and you're left with the, the remnants uh, and you've said, should we do this again? And you're all unanimously saying yes. What is, um, I mean, leading up to the, running the event and getting all this stuff done, there's got to be some hits to motivation, hits to your schedule, hits to, um, you know, the, the pocketbook, you know, uh, your wallet. Um, how do you guys maintain that motivation to, to, to drive towards the finish line and then at the end still have it in your mind that you want to you want to take it again you want to take that right again i think the main thing on it is well, hopefully i'm not speaking well i'm speaking for everyone but um we all enjoy doing it you know that's that's kind of critical to everything we enjoy doing it it's good fun seeing it um it, it's great to feel like you're inspiring people to do something that and you said this earlier eric um often they're building stuff that they're never going to use again, ever. Which, for people to put that kind of effort in for something that we've created is pretty yeah. um, pretty humbling, frankly. So, um, yeah, and and new ideas come all the time. So, I mean, li- I literally just wrote something down on my bit of paper here next to me while Steve was talking a couple of minutes ago that I'm pretty sure is going to be what we're going to do for Raw 5, and I'm going to have to voice for this later on. <laughs> well, it, well, it's, it's funny you should say that. It's funny you should say that. I don't, know, I don't know what you've got written on your piece of paper, and I can't see it. But in my head, about 15 minutes ago, I came up with the name of a future Raw. <laughs> oh, interesting. Let's hope it works together. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just, just the excitement of doing it. It, it is good fun, and... Um, Hits to time frame. Um, to be honest, we haven't really had that. We've been pretty lucky. We do plan ahead. We literally start planning for the next Raw the day the previous Raw finishes. So we give ourselves about a year to do it. Um, and we're now at the point where we do have actually a lot of terrain lying around. So, you know, if, if the worst comes to the worst, we didn't make any new terrain. We've got enough to, to cover that. So that's quite, quite a big yeah. um, issue sorted out. The main bit would be the rules, actually, just making sure they all work and getting playtesting time in. So we are scheduling that now in, which we didn't do for the first couple. Yeah, and and actually, uh, I should touch on that because last year was the first year we playtested 
our event um and previous years we'd had help um you know it had come stateside some of the bits had come stateside for testing and and um and that's that was super helpful but we didn't physically have the time to do it and and one of the big driving forces behind us wanting to do raw was we wanted to play in an event that we wanted to play in we wanted to run an event that we wanted to play in, but we never got the chance to do that. So last year we said, no, guys, right, we are going to have a weekend where we play through what we've got down on paper so far. Um, and actually, we learned a huge amount from it. We changed a lot of things because we spent the time to do it, and it made for a much smoother um, uh, event. Um, but also, it was the best gaming I did last year outside of, well, it was just the best gaming I did. <laughs> it was just awesome. So that's so so that's exactly what we will do again this year uh, but also um that's how um the 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 um the generals of the two factions in raw 19 will be formulated that the, that okay. weekend will develop the narrative and the reason for those two people being in charge Awesome awesome no that's that's great I'm going to recap a little bit um because I think that there's a couple of, of things that I would take, uh, maybe take and try and pull what you guys have said and in, in, into that advice. The first is, I think, if Neos want to get a group together and run something like this or have a a, 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 a team that they can rely on and, and such, uh, going to narrative events and maybe even just running, even if it's not a raw level event, some narrative events to kind of to entice the narrative gamers out of their holes, you know, out into the open and get to know them face to face and see who's around and see who, you know, and see who you're, um, you know, uh, can connect with. And I know that, um, Aaron Bostian and, and Brian Orban, uh, credit our first, um, coalescence event to like, Oh, you know, meeting somebody in the, in the it comes out of the, the woodwork and, um, and you know, the Nova events, if you go to Nova, if you go to Adepticon, you're going to meet other narrative gamers, and you might find your 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 soulmates there, um, and then uh, talking about having a clear vision, um, you know, given that you guys have had four years to do this, that first year there could have been, I mean, I imagine even like our All Hallow Siege wasn't much of an issue of like we knew we wanted to do a siege, but if you're, you know, if 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 it's blue ocean or you know white piece of paper, you might have a ton of competing ideas, but if you do it well, you're going to have many years to kind of explore all those different ideas. Uh, so getting to a clear vision, you don't have to have everything in one year. You don't have to, to solve every problem or conquer every type of narrative in one year, um, in one event. Um, it, I, I'm hearing the, so a couple of you that are definitely have uh, work in production in the real world where sometimes good enough is better than perfect because it won't ship. <laughs> sometimes there's, you know, you have to, you have to know what you're capable of and what's going to have the right impact. Cause if you spend too much time doing it, it's not going to make it in time and uh, you're not going to succeed. Um, and so perfection is often the, the, the enemy of good. Um, uh, the dividing and conquer, knowing that you've got different skills, owning your skills, but being able to pitch in and, and uh, kind of cross pollinate, et cetera. Don't, don't silo, uh, but know your strengths and know where you can contribute and, and, and don't think that you are capable of all of it. Um, and then I, I think also back to the, like, run an event, try something out, see what you like, to see if you even like running events. Um, 
you know, uh, and I, and some of that may be, you might not like running events on your own. You might like it with people better, but knowing that you're going to be motivated, it's something that you enjoy. Can I, can I just chip in there, Ari? Um, One of the things that Jimbo and I touched on, on one of our, um, uh, YouTube shows was talking precisely about running an event or, or actually being a TO at an event. Uh, quite often, TOs uh, or event organisers are incredibly, incredibly busy and they're absolutely up to their neck in it. So if you're at an event and you see the event organiser and if you've got something to offer and you know that they're relatively local to you geographically or whatever, have a word with them, have a conversation with them and say, look, I'm free next September when you're doing this. Do you want an extra pair of hands? Yeah, get get involved. If, if that's something that you want to try and do, actually, that you don't have to do it yourself the first time round. You could exa- do exactly what you said, offer to assist someone else who's already running an event, and then maybe the two of you can cross-pollinate. Uh, maybe you can bounce ideas off each other. Um, and, and you know, uh, who knows what will come, for, come of it. But, but you don't have to start on your own first time round. You can just go and offer to help someone, even if it's just set up tables or supply some terrain or do whatever. So, you know, just get out there and, and, and talk to people who are doing it now because they're the font of knowledge in terms of how you might be able to do it yeah. yourself. Uh, the animosity campaign that Alex Palomeni has uh, uh, just put out is a fantastic, another way to, you don't have to write a pack you don't have to pick a date. Um, you can take all that he and he's doing marketing for it. He's going to be releasing things. If you can just be kind of a um, a magnet for some local, you know, narrative players and get them together to play some games, he's he'll have the resources. And then similarly to the coalescence events we've run, where there's a central kind of somebody's creating it for you to run. Uh, or the, uh, if you go to the Neon website, um, uh, we are the Neon uh, dot. Com, I believe. Yeah. Um, and there's resources there from different packs, uh, probably past raw packs and past coalescence and, and other things where if you want to pick up those things, you, you lean on the others that have kind of done some of that creative, some of that, that clarification and then adapt it a little and make it your own. But then you can focus on the event itself or the logistics. Um, what other, I guess, um, are there any other, uh, difficulties or things that, that, um, making raw what it is today uh, challenges that you've come up against um, that you've found a way through that, that could, that may be something that others run into. Yeah. I think probably one of the first issues we had was different play styles. So in the first realms at war, we had um, essentially it was escalation style. So things got bigger as the weekend went along. We actually started with skirmish with two games of skirmish which some people in their feedback afterwards said, absolutely love the skirmish. It's amazing. If you take that out, I'll, you know, I'll never come to another roar. We had some people with feedback was, the skirmish was awful. If you keep that in, I'll never come to another roar. <laughs> so it's just like, okay, right. Well, you know, fine. That's, that's life. Um, and, and that comes back to what Mitzi said earlier, is run the event that you want to play in, frankly, because you're not going to please everyone. It's not going to happen. Someone's going to not like it and then they don't buy a ticket. As long as you're up front with everyone, as Mitzi said, and tell people what they're going to get into, they can make the choice and vote with their feet. 
anything else to add to that one uh, uh steve or mark difficulties you've had to push through or unexpected things that you've had to solve um i think actually uh an insight for me because um i know you guys have run events locally before rule one was my first ever uh apart from you know five or six mates around for a weekend which generally doesn't involve much organizing at all but uh, this my rule one was my first one and and there was a question that came up and because we were kind of patrolling the tables, making sure everyone was getting it, understanding it, any questions. And a, a question came up and I kind of went, uh, this, and said the answer as I thought it. I went, I went back to the other guys going, guys, 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 I've said this. Is this right? Is this right? And it's like, were the players happy? I said, yeah. Did it make sense? Yeah. Well, then that's fine, isn't it? And I went, yeah, I suppose it is. <laughs> so it, you know, it wasn't a core rule question. It was literally, how do we interpret that? And I think for me, um, I think if you introduce and you encourage people to come to a narrative event, if there is a question on the table, it's so much easier rather than pick up the rule book. It's like, so he's your general and this other guy's just a normal dude and you're going to run away from him, are you? And you said your background is this guy, is this superhero? Yeah, he wouldn't run away, would he? Well, sure choice, but, you know, and it's like, yeah, no, 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 sorry, yeah, my mistake, yeah, yeah. And they would, it, and I, th- I think, <coughs> I think you can just ask a couple of questions. And again, that's how the scenery works. It's just like, you know, what is the objective? You know, it says on the plan somewhere in, you know, in the middle but there's this massive magical tower about two inches away. Well, where do you think they'd be fighting over this sort of geographical GPS spot in the middle of nowhere or the tower? We'll play in the tower. Yeah, that's fine. You know, there's no benefit it being two inches closer or further away. Or if it is, well, tough, you know, it's not fair. It's it's like, it's like fight harder, you know. <laughs> not everything is balanced. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. So I th- well, it sounds like I think, I putting think- the... You go ahead, Mark. No, no, no. I was going to say the only the only logistical thing I would say is if you are going to create an event that has twenty five to thirty tables worth of terrain, um, lots of terrain on that table, um, have somewhere to store it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm fortunate that we have access to a twelve thousand square foot warehouse, um, and I have a very very small corner um that we can stick stuff in um other <laughs> otherwise your house is going to be full of boxes of terrain and your wife or partner might not like that <laughs> so just bear that in mind <laughs> if, if i can actually add another one in there eric um Absolutely. From a, from, Absolutely. this is a, a personal one actually <clears throat> excuse me um when we first got together to do raw i really felt like i didn't have a role in the team it was pretty obvious what the other guys all brought to it um and I really felt I didn't. You know, Mitzi's got great skills with building terrain and um, and comparing events and and the storage space and stuff like that. Steve's obviously skills with his design stuff and Ming with the rules. And I really didn't feel like I had a spot. But the boys are always very encouraging and say, yeah, yeah, I was actually helping. Even though I felt like I was wasn't really. Um, and it was only probably after getting into the second raw when I actually started helping Ming with the rules a little bit and, and being a bit more involved and feeling more comfortable. So I didn't feel comfortable. TOing a narrative event as well for for the first floor, and so those experiences kind of really helped me, and and I I've kind of like 
found a bit more of a niche in the team now, which I feel I can contribute to, and um, hopefully the guys do as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's, from, that's from a personal one from me. Um, there's definitely a massive growth, uh, personal growth for me. I, I, I think I, I can speak for everybody when I say that if for some unbeknown reason uh, one of one of us could not do raw anymore, I would not be comfortable in continuing to call it raw because I think the four of us are raw um, and and we all contribute to to delivering what we want to deliver and if it wasn't the four of us I don't think and 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 we actually had this last year because Ming was not really available because he just had a new baby mm-hmm. um so you know rightly so he needed to spend some quality time uh he said I've got to duck out of this one guys um and that was absolutely fine the three of us carried on but he in the end actually did help and he did you know in his time when he could contribute he contributed but if if one of us was to say you know I'm walking away from this I personally it wouldn't be the same without the other three guys uh, and and everyone has a place to you know a, 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 a part to play in this in this uh, little mad bubble <laughs> well and I think sometimes too that there's there's certain skills that are are um most visible and have um you know like so Steve your your marketing your design work and and visuals often can overshadow stuff that's behind the scenes, right? People see the big flashy stuff. Yeah. They see the design. They see the creativity on the surface, like right in front of them. So, so um, I've got a really good example there of yeah. how um, some feedback from two was, can you help us with the build-up of the narrative? So we came up with the idea, uh, inspired by the uh, Hammerhall Herald kind of posters and adverts that Games Workshop do, but we said, well, we'll do those, but we'll focus on each army. And they were obviously sharing, thankfully, through the hashtag Road to Raw and by sending us narratives, they, we could see what people were doing. And people will ask us questions. People, can I do this and this? And you go, yeah, fine, fill your boots. And, you know, we, we were getting those. So we said, well, okay, well, we'll do posters for each army. So I'd kind of come up with a kind of, well, there's this, this little twist here we could pick on and I sort of can maybe come up with the sometimes the headline and go, Jimbo, write some words, will you? And they'd be like, tippity tap, tip tap, tip tap. How about this? Brilliant. And I think for me, yeah, really, I, I can write words, but it takes me a long time. I find them quite difficult. Yeah. Headlines are no problem. But even sometimes I would do the headline and Jimbo would just go, you just swap those two words around and say, oh, it's much funnier. Yeah, brilliant. And I think and, th- and I think that's why, I mean, people go, how did you get the time to do all those? Well, I can find an image quite quickly. Jimbo just knocks it out of the park first go. Copy, paste, move the fonts around, screen grab, put on Twitter. It doesn't take long when you're lucky enough to have the skills and expertise. But I think, I think that's a, cr- a cracking example of teamwork. Oh. No, and, and I mean, I tend... I tend to burn bright and have big ideas, and uh, unless I have someone like my wife uh, <laughs> behind me who's super organized and can focus that energy, sometimes that stuff, it doesn't matter. Again, it doesn't matter how big and your grander idea is if you can't execute, if you can't have all the pieces necessary to, to get it off the ground, even if some of them are, aren't as visible because they're on a spreadsheet in a Dropbox or, you know, uh, you know behind the scenes, you know. Um, the result is everybody's uh, everybody can cl- make claim to that result. Um, 
couple more questions uh, before we kind of close out. Um, one, you mentioned uh, kind of the Herald and that sort of thing. One of the, the kind of difficulties that I think narrative uh, events face is taking that narrative beyond that two days and making it visible and consumable by anybody else. Have you guys thought about, have you guys tried to solve that, that problem? Uh, have you thought about different ways of doing that this year or is it, or the alternative, is it something that maybe is just for the people who are there on that day and trying to, to make it consumable by others isn't as much a priority. I think, I think, I think, I think one of the, so one one of the challenges for us is that there's the ongoing story of Age of Sigmar. And obviously we've got sneaky, forbidden power thing coming out soon um we need to live within that um if we go too far away then who's going to want to pick up and play it i think one of the challenges we had last year is we we really wanted to do the deck of cards for athemy but we didn't really get enough we kind of put it out there we didn't really get enough numbers to run it to do a print run for everyone and would that have actually been commercially realistic i'm not sure so i think for me <laughs> We'd we'd love people to to take the plans or take the ideas, go and play their own ones. Of course, in in some ways, we always add something a little bit special to the people that come. You know, whether that is it's the chance to show their models together, whether they go away with a little raw NATO. You know, there's 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 always something that little bit special that we want to give the players. But um, yeah, I I, I, th- I think ultimately. I think what's really nice is there are a number of players that are bringing back the same army or, a, 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 you know, a, a, a growth or a spin-off unit. It was come from that original army. And, you know, I've played at different events, the same army as from the same general from a raw and they're carrying on playing it and they're building the narrative, uh, writing stories about it. And, and, and I think for me, that's, that's the, um, that's, that's kind of the peak of it. But we always want to have our doors open to the people that have just say, I've heard it's really good fun. I've got 1,500 points out of my 2,000 points tournament army. Is it all right to play? And it's like, yes, that's fine. You don't need to have written a novel. You don't need to have a name for every model in your army. It, it's, it's just come and play and, and, and discover your own stories. So do you think, is there a way... Uh, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes there can be a lot of asked of players to bring narrative just for that two-day event. Um, and you mentioned also that you'd lo- that p- some players would love the games themselves to affect the event and see what the result is. Um, you know, and even for some of the events like Coalescence or whatever, the best you can do sometimes is just who won, right? Which, which uh, alliance or which team um, came out of that. Um, but do you have any thoughts on, I mean, you guys are putting together quite a bit of content in the lead up to it, stories and ideas and seeds of, of possibility is, is something like a, um, a magazine uh, or a couple of articles or a follow-up, um, you know, Herald something that makes sense for an event like this, that everyone wishes that they could be a part of and wants a little piece of, or, or would you rather kind of keep it, in the family keep it in the if you've been here then you know about it or you know what the story is 
I think we, my, yeah, I'm not sure about a magazine or something like that. If I'm honest, um, I, I like the interaction you get on Twitter and and that kind of social media. Personally, um, that works better for me. Different people narrative in different ways. So, um, and some of the other guys might might say say differently. Um, so I, I think that's a bit. Of, it, it is a tricky one to answer your question. It, it's a difficult one. You know, how, how do you do that? And a lot of the time, you are reliant on the players. You know, how much do people go and look and how much do people read these days? Um, is actually quite a big issue, I think. Um, and try, trying to get people to read stuff, which is why we, we always try and keep our intros as short as we possibly can, but still put some flavour and some theme into it and give enough potential hooks for people to be able to work off it. But again, you're, you're, you're providing this framework that Mitzi mentioned earlier and you are you are basically just trying to give people opportunity to do what they, they can do. Um, but maintaining it afterwards is, is certainly an area that is tricky. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I, think, I think if we're saying, you know, can we write a pack that, or can we write a a magazine format or a, that allows people to go away and have the same experience? I, th- I I think it wouldn't be fair to say I think GW are struggling in sometimes to make narrative bigger than some plans and giving people lots of story and lots of amazing models and scenery and kind of yeah. like go and make it. I, I I think I think it's the age old question, isn't it? You know, people people say what is narrative, and we can just say well. It's on a spectrum. Yeah, it can be everything from it can be everything from sort of two K match, but with narrative plans, all yeah. the way through to you know what Paul Buckler ran, which was I'm giving you the army. I've decided who you're playing, and um, you know somebody's got all the rats and somebody's got twelve models, and it's like. You just have to give up any sense of control or freedom. It's just like I'm, I'm just going to get on this roller coaster and scream as I go over the over the top. So, uh, yeah. but I think that, that that's that's the two ends. And I think, and I, th- I think there's still room to go even further. I, I think with role play rules coming out, I think there is a absolute small <laughs> gathering of people that would role play one evening, one day, battle those characters in bigger games, maybe an evening's worth of dungeoning and then going back to battles on the second day, I think. That that obviously, you know, reduces the number of people that want to do that. But I think yes. I think for me, that's just another storytelling tool that's coming towards us. Yeah. Well, and I think that, uh, you know, Paul Buckler's um, event, we touched on it briefly uh, in our last campaign phase. Um, But, and you had mentioned as well that, that, you know, you guys had talked about, you know, do we go a a GM on every table and and whatnot? And you found kind of your place in the middle. Um, You know, you use points, you use, um, you know, the core rules. Uh, you do give people room to kind of uh, fudge those rules or come up with uh, creative explanations on what could be have, what could the result be differently or how they could use something differently. Um, and in the end, uh, you give people space to be creative, bring new models and units, create war scrolls, um, etc., um, and d- less st- focus on a structured uh, narrative, but a sandbox to play in uh, to see what comes out of it. Um, 
anything else that, uh, before we kind of uh, wrap up, anything else that you guys would like to share either about what can people can expect in the next couple of months in terms of talking about raw, hearing about raw, or uh, alternatively, how you might encourage others that are looking to kind of get started in, in narrative uh, Neo. Um, what you got, what you got Jimbo? So yeah, I'm going more on your, on your second point. Um, Cause do get, do get asked question by people is how, how do you come up with ideas for your narrative? And the response I want to give them, but I never actually do is I'm sorry if you haven't got any ideas and unfortunately you're dead. Um, but that's <laughs> it's not considered good manners. So I avoid that one. Um, but I kind of mentioned it earlier. Just as we were talking, I scribbled down, I literally got a one sentence on my bit of paper next to me which I've actually doodled all over because whenever I'm on phones or anything I doodle all the time which is what I do but I've, I've got an idea to scribble down and there's loads of places you can go and get ideas and GW have really helped us out with this one but it's not necessarily in the, all the parts that people think of as narrative so I mentioned all the stories from Malign um, Sorcery earlier that's uh, from Malign Portents um, you know the Phil Kelly's the Phil Kelly's team that produced what was it 80, 100, I can't remember how many tons of really short stories there's loads of little hooks in there that people just go and have a quick look at and use them as just ideas of how to start creating their narrative but another one that I think is really really good is in the general's handbook in the open play section there's um, about I think three pages worth of like mini extra rules you can put into your games and it's aimed at open play um, and there's all sorts of weird ones in there and some of them are you know very match play kind of orientated that's fine but you could use those to create any kind of narrative in in your army that you wanted to you know how this this effect is happening on this battlefield why is it there and that could be a narrative and i i think those those rules are actually really 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 helpful um i I think they're they're awesome Uh, i also think in all of the battle tomes and actually i look in the codexes of 40k as well there's some interesting rules in there for different armies which i think can be quite handy too a particular few that i'm looking at for this year's raw um, which i'm going to steal from other places which i think could be i think it'll work quite well and, and be interesting and fun so there's all sorts of sources all from gw that people can go for to, to try and start their own narrative and it doesn't have to be complicated it, it, you know start with naming a general and see where that goes how are you, Steve? Yeah, no, I, I think for me, that's, that's, that, that, that toolbox that GW gives us is really good. And I think the really nice thing is, is that, you know, you take a, a battle plan, you kind of reskin it <laughs> so that it fits your story, but it's still kind of familiar. You add a couple of those rules from the, from the bucket of open play rules and suddenly you've not had to make anything from scratch and you're not telling people, well, I've made this up and the wording's not quite right or familiar to you. You just go, it's this with these and these. How does that go? And you go, oh, that's, that's great. And you, the people, people will be much more comfortable with taking those on board. Um, and, and I think the other thing is, I mean, movies and TV, you know, they know how to tell a story, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. beginning, middle and end. It's it's that classic thing. You don't have to get as complicated as Joseph Campbell's story arc, although that's kind of interesting to look at. But I mean, I think just look at look at those. You know, all we need is someone to kill the Griff Hound that belongs to John Wick, and you've got a movie. Well, you've got, you've got a series <laughs> of movies. <laughs> if you're brave enough to kill the dog, but I, I think I think. <laughs> but I, th- I think 
But I think, yeah, that's it. I mean, and again, I think, again, if you take those tropes that we're kind of all comfortable with, you can just, you can just give people a little bit and they go, Oh, that means. And if you can get people to those moments, it's like role playing. If you can give people enough little hints here and there and suddenly they go, Oh no, we're in trouble now. Brilliant. That's the, that's the, that's the spark moment that really makes it all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would just challenge anyone to we we do it a lot in fact we do it slightly less often than we used to uh, in our little uh, gaming group that Jimbo and I are a part of uh, eat bats um we used to always write a precursor to any game that we played and it would be uh i don't know uh, my uh, some someone stolen uh, the meat men's meat and the meat men are going to go and get it um, and and so I'd arrange game against Jimbo, and before in our little chat again, it's a WhatsApp chat or it's a Facebook chat. Before that game took place, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm playing Jimbo tonight, right? What's the little, what's the hook? What's the hook? What's the reason I'm going over to Cambridge this evening?" And I'd just come up with um, uh, you know three or four paragraphs, uh, or you know my my. Um, uh, my grot shaman had a portent uh, and saw this vision of him slaying uh, um, a branch witch. Um, and, and I'd just write this little story and then Jimbo would see that little story and he'd retort. And so you'd have this little um, back and forth of narrative, which was, you know, took 10 minutes of our time and then we'd rock up and we'd play a game and I'd get smashed and I'd go home and then I'd and then I'd I'd report back. I'd report back that the meat men had lost their meat again. Um and um and, and that was it. But but that 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 moment of inspiration and as Steve said, it could come from a film you've just watched, it could come from an episode of Breaking Bad. Or, or Walking Dead, or any of the things that you happen to just you know have on while you're painting at your hobby desk, um, they are all seeds for a reason why your army's going to war the next time you go to war, and and just 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 I, I challenge everybody before their next game, just send your opponent a little WhatsApp message or a Facebook message and, and just paint a, a, a two paragraph three paragraph story. And telling them why you're coming to take them out at the local club or at their house <laughs> or whatever, um, because that is the seed for a narrative. And you can just keep that going. That that snowballs because at the end of that game, there's a result, and that result could therefore influence the next little story that you write the following week when you go back to his house or to your next mate's house. So do it. Have a go. Just try it. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for taking the time to share raw with us, uh, both in creating it. That is a fantastic time for the people who can attend. It's an inspiration for other neos who want to to create uh, narrative events and aspire to doing kind of uh, living up to the vision that they have. And for coming on the show, talking to us about Raw nineteen, which is October. Oh, I just had it up. Fourth to sixth. <laughs> Sorry, fourth through the sixth. Um, for the fourth annual, there's some experience behind this now. Um, not that those uh, young punks that did it that first year. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, and thank you for imparting some of that experience that you guys have had. Um, you know that might help some of us uh, who uh, who do aspire to it 
making something like this live in our neighborhood or our part of the world um, give us some insights into kind of where to start and, and uh, how to get there. So thank you guys again. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's time for our reforging, but Sigmar Willing will be back soon. Like, subscribe, share, or leave a review. Anything you can do to spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can do on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter at the mortal realms. Where can they find you three gentlemen? I'm at eat that's Mitzi. I'm at Tin Racer Steve. And you can find Raw at under, uh, at. Oh my goodness me, I failed. Where are we, Jimbo? Uh, at Realms underscore at underscore War. Thank you. Fantastic. You can listen to more episodes of the Story Phase, Campaign Phase, Scrying Phase, and What the Hex, as well as hobby content over at www.themortalrealms.com. We'll see you soon.